Jones. The name was like poison on his tongue. His mind flashed to that memory he'd spent so many years using like a whetstone. The traitor's face, silhouetted by moonlight, twirling the victor's rose with its broken stem between his fingers. Suppose that makes this mine now, he'd whispered. He sat there scowling for a long time, the dram house and the barkeep forgotten. He looked the devil in the face and promised him death. The devil sneered back and welcomed the effort. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode. If you're not caught up yet, I will have a link to the full playlist down in the video description, so make sure to check that out there. Question of the week, what novel has been on your reading list for forever, but you just haven't got to it yet? You already know I've got my answer locked and loaded, so stick around to the end of the episode for that, but I want to hear from you in the comments. All right, on to the good stuff. I'm Josh Call, and this is Last Coliseum. Haytham shouldered through the door of the dram house and let the familiar reek of sweat and mead and cheap perfume flood his senses. There was more of a crowd than the last time, and a few strangled notes from a bard by the hearth pierced the steady rumble of drunken chatter. He pulled his hood low over his eyes. This was just the sort of place where his face might draw stares and stoke memories. For days, he'd kept his head down, per the spider's warning. Rumors of the brawler's homecoming were already rolling through the city like a stone down a hillside. Give them time, and they'll die down on their own, spider advised him. But not if you keep showing up in grog shops like warts on a harlot. Suppose that was why he'd lodged the brawler in the Golden Quarter, that and its nearness to Amatha. The pits were a poor man's sport. The reaper had been lifted up on the shoulders of men with calluses on their hands. Nearer to cliffside, he could be anonymous. In a copper district dram house with sawdust on the floor to soak up grog and vomit, it was only a matter of time before someone saw him and remembered. But he was restless and frustrated. Kingmaker had promised him action, promised to hand the traitor over to him like a condemned man to the axe. And so far, all he'd given him was a dusty apartment and endless hours to count the paces from one wall to the other. So be it. He'd made it this far without help. If all the spider could offer him was promises, then the spider could keep them. He'd find the traitor himself. Or die trying. He was up before dawn, running down every lead he could think of, and each time coming up dry. Old friends had moved away, the bastard's parents were dead and buried, and the apartment the traitor had once lived in was presently occupied by a young couple with a newborn son. He thought about paying a visit to the spider and demanding answers, but he knew that all he'd pry out of Kingmaker was more riddles and deflection. There was still Amatha. She'd been the traitor's dearest friend next to Haytham. Hell, he'd even courted her for a while before she'd taken up with the brawler. If there was anyone who'd know what these past seven years had made of him, it was she. But he couldn't bring himself to ask. She wanted nothing to do with him. They hadn't spoken since that first night, when she'd tried to stab him, when he'd tried to tell her everything and realized that he didn't have the words. Every night she played, he buried himself in his corner of the taproom and let her music wash over him. One day, he'd tell her everything. One day. But not tonight. The squint-eyed barkeep sized him up the moment Haytham walked in. He met the brawler at the same ancient stool he'd sat at the last time. I'm gonna have to start sending him against you in pairs, he remarked, wiping dust out of the bottom of a tankard. No man with his head nailed on straight is gonna go toe-to-toe -to -toe with you after seeing what I'm not here to fight. The barkeep looked up and saw the silver eighth bit that Haytham had placed on the battered bar top in front of him. The old man's face fell. 
and a curse whistled through the gap of his missing tooth. What now? Did your parlay with him not go as planned? He scanned the crowded dram house furtively, then jabbed a finger at the coin. Who's it this time? The devil himself? Haytham's face was like stone. I want to talk to you. The barkeep didn't say anything. He looked up from the bit to the brawler, his face dark with mistrust. Haytham kept his gaze as he reached into his pocket and laid a second coin down beside the first. It was a crown. The barkeep's eyes shone with greed. Haytham carefully slid the empty tankard over to conceal the coins from anyone else seated at the bar. He'd seen men mugged and gutted over less. He knew the old man's reply long before he gave it. All right. He leaned down and propped his elbows on the bar top, then bobbed his head for the brawler to say his piece. Their faces were a handbreadth apart. Haytham took a breath. I used to. At the other end of the bar, someone called for a drink. The old man barked for his porter to fetch the man his bloody whiskey. To Haytham, he muttered, You were saying? I used to come here. Years back. I, I remember. You had that filly hanging off of your arm. Haytham's pulse quickened. Just that was already farther than any of his other leads had taken him. He fought to rein in his excitement. All of this would have been ten years ago. No telling what the old man might have forgotten since. There's someone else I ran with, too. Oh? A man. That's terribly specific, the barkeep drawled. A smirk hovered at the edge of his mouth. Haytham ignored him. Dark hair. Tall. Name's Elias. The old man's eyes flicked down. The brawler leaned in. One hand was curled like a vice around the edge of the bar. You remember. It was a long moment before the barkeep allowed himself a nod. He drank cheap. Talked a lot. His gaze trailed across the grime-streaked faces of the farmers and lift men who packed out the dram house. I'll get a lot of those. He wasn't saying something. Haytham could see the old man chewing on it, the muscles of his jaw tensed behind his hoary whiskers. There's more. The barkeep fidgeted. What do you want me to say? Color rose to his cheeks. That we were best mates? We were. He always seemed a bit big in his boots. But if you think I'm going to start mouthing off about a knight of the keep, you got another. He's a knight. He remembered dimly his exchange with the spider on his first night back. Most of his memory of that night was streaked with scarlet. Kingmaker had said something about the traitor being well guarded. At the time, he'd assumed that meant protection by the brethren, but you didn't know that. The barkeep frowned. He scratched at a patch of scaly rash on the side of his waddled neck. I thought you were mites. Where have you been? Haytham didn't answer. The old man sighed and leaned back against the rack of glasses behind him, his arms folded across his belly. Aye, a knight. Way I heard it, he did a good turn for the governor. For Mario repaid him well. He tapped his chest. Got a crest now and everything. Haytham kept his face carefully blank. That's quite a rise. The barkeep scratched his neck again. Aye. The barkeep could see him chewing on something else. He was saved by more calls for another round at the other end of the bar. He shuffled over to serve them, grousing under his breath about his shit for Brain's porter. Haytham sat with his empty tankard and watched him. After a fashion, the barkeep swept back to his end to fetch some glass tumblers from the rack. The crown and the bit were still glittering on the bar top. The old man thrust a greedy hand out to scoop them up. Quicker than lightning, Haytham upended his empty tankard and clapped it down over the coins. The barkeep's fingers glanced harmlessly off the aged wooden side. The barkeep recoiled, clutching his hand as if he'd been burned. Now hold on, I've answered your questions, not all of them. There was a dangerous edge to the brawler's voice. He lifted the tankard and set it aside. The coins gleamed in the lamplight. 
Keep talking. The barkeep looked furtively around the tap room, scratching his neck. He dropped his voice by half. You got a promise that you're not going to take what I say and go running off to the Grey Cloaks. Having me dragged out of here in irons, give me your word. Haytham gave it. The barkeep seemed to relax a little. Seems awful easy, don't it? Your man w Elias is at the right place at the right time. The next thing he's living in the keep, whispering in the gov's ear. He leaned in close and muttered, If you ask me, it don't smell right. What does it smell like? He scanned the room again to be sure they weren't overheard. Smells like... The street door flew open with a bang, and the barkeep recoiled from Haytham. A knot of revelers squeezed through the door, laughing and shouting, most of them half-drunk already. Foremost among these was a man with a face that was swollen and shiny, a painted girl hanging off his either arm. He hefted a fat purse, bloody and triumphant. Everyone, he called, I've got the next round. The liftmen and farmers all raised their tankards and cheered, squeezing together to clear a space at the bar for the newcomer and his girls. Haytham scowled as the field hand next to him pressed in. The barkeep gave him an apologetic look and shrugged. If you're here when I close, he could hardly hear the old man over the steady rumble in the dram house. You want to know? One more question. He almost had to shout to be heard. The barkeep nodded. What's his name now? He didn't hear his reply, but he read the name on the old man's lips. White Rose. He watched the barkeep rush to refill two score tankards and tumblers, pausing only to bark orders at his porter. Haytham tugged his hood low over his eyes, his head bowed, his teeth grit. White Rose. The name was like poison on his tongue. His mind flashed to that memory he'd spent so many years using like a whetstone, sharpening the edge of his vengeance till it could cut you just by looking. The traitor's face, silhouetted by moonlight, twirling the victor's rose with its broken stem between his fingers. Suppose that makes this mine now, he'd whispered. He sat there scowling for a long time, the dram house and the barkeep forgotten. Even when someone slid him a full tankard, he drank it mechanically, not tasting the warm suds as they sloshed down his throat. In the brawler's mind, he was in an alley, seven years younger with a knife in his side. He looked the devil in the face and promised him death. The devil sneered back and welcomed the effort. At the back of the dram house near the hearth, the bard next to him twanging his lute with barely heard gusto, Lee sat with his back to the wall and his eyes on the reaper. He'd kept an eye on the Eidolon for days, making careful note of the brawler's movements. It was a dull game, and he shared its burden by paying a few of Paul's older boys a couple of pennies to take shifts keeping watch. Whenever he left the inn, Lee followed, high on a rooftop out of sight. He'd never hunted a man before, but the principle was the same for taking anything that wasn't yours. Know your target, expect disaster, keep your exits open. Here, there were two, three if you included the cellar door behind the bar. He counted his steps from the street to the hearth before sitting down, just in case he had to break for the exit. He'd seen what the brawler could do if he got his hands on someone he didn't like. Lee was under no illusion about why the jackdaw wanted him. He'd kept an ear to the ground in grog shops like this one, always late at night when he felt sure the brawler wouldn't step out for a midnight jaunt. Someone had set a price on the reaper's head. Already he'd heard rumors about gangs of cutthroats stalking the pits looking to claim it. His breath caught when the door crashed open and the other fighter staggered in with his entourage. For half an instant, Lee saw the phantom shapes of Krask and Rooster there in the crowd. He pinched himself and swallowed against the hard lump in his throat. 
He ate little and slept less since his meeting with the jackdaw. He found himself checking over his shoulder, ever convinced that he was being watched, being followed. When he caught a glimpse of his reflection in a shop window, the haunted look in his eyes disturbed him. And perhaps, twined around that increasing sense of disquiet, there was also a red strand of guilt that collared the thief's conscience. Whoever placed the bounty wasn't going to invite the brawler to tea, was he? And even if Lee didn't hold the knife, he knew what was sure to happen once he handed over the man's address. Whenever thoughts like these sparked, he was sure to snuff them out before they could catch. Men of great moral character generally didn't end up with bounties on their heads. And it wasn't just his own neck Lee was worried about. He had to look after Paul, Sim, the boys. High-minded morals were fine for a mid-turn mass, but they were all just words once you were backed into a corner. Under the warble of the bard, in the booth next to his, a gruff male voice broke through his thoughts. Are you sure that's him? Sure, I'm sure, came a second low voice. I saw him the last time, didn't I? Lee almost ignored them, but the second voice continued. You saw that scar slatting down his face? It's him. I'd stake me mum's life on it. At the mention of the scar, Lee's jaw tightened. Only a sliver of the brawler's face was still visible at the end of the bar under his hood, but the puckered lightning bolt that cleaved it in two was branded on the thief's memory. You'd sell your mum for a twopenny tumble, the first voice chuckled. He peered through the faint haze of the tap room at the long, dirty mirror behind the bar. Between the folk clustered around the counter, he made out a sliver of the booth next to his. Two men with dark, stringy hair were huddled together in conversation. Their game of cards lay forgotten on the table. Mark me. One of the figures jabbed a finger toward the bar. That's two hundred crowns sitting pretty over there. Lee could hear the greed in his voice as he whispered, With a six-way split, that's twenty apiece. Two hundred crowns. He thought about the bounty and the brawler dissolving like smoke, thought about what Killam would do to him if someone else claimed it. What he'd do to Paul. Lee stood and stretched and shuffled over to the hearth to drop a couple of pennies in the bard's case. He hardly noticed the appreciative nod the minstrel gave him. He sat at one of the round tables facing the bard and watched the booth and the men out of the corner of his eye. They were both wearing what looked like mercenary leathers, and a naked dagger lay discarded on the table, gleaming in the lamplight. One of them nodded and muttered something Lee couldn't hear over the trilling of the bard. He tried to read his lips, but the man stood and turned so that his back was to the thief. All he caught was two words. The others. Lee's eyes followed him out through the street door, noting the pair of long knives thrust through the belt slung low on his waist. The other one swept up the remains of their card game and shuffled the deck. His gaze never left the brawler. Lee had promised himself that he'd have no contact with Red Ugly. It made things messy, especially when the time came to turn him over to the jackdaw. But not so messy as if he sat idle while cutthroats tried to split the brawler six ways. He was up on his feet marching toward the bar before he could stop himself. Haytham felt a slight tug on the edge of his cloak. He ignored it. He was nursing his mead with both hands cupped around his tankard, his face wreathed in shadow below his hood. In the grimy bar mirror, he saw a boy who was on the edge of manhood standing behind him, wringing his hands nervously. He didn't react. He hadn't come here to make friends, nor to sign autographs. He took a long pull from his mead. When he plunked the tankard down, the boy was still there. He sidled up to Haytham, looking down the bar at the old man and the porter as if trying to catch their attention. There's five men standing outside, waiting to stick knives in you, he said without moving his lips. That got his attention. He heard the creak in his own neck as he turned and looked the boy full in the face. 
He was fair-skinned and rangy, with dark hair that hung shaggy about his shoulders. His eyes were deep-set and blue and glowed above sleepless circles. His face was all angles. He was still looking down the bar, but Haytham saw him fidget under the brawler's piercing gaze. Piss off. He turned back to the bar and finished his drink. It's true, the boy murmured. He still hadn't looked at him. You can believe me, or you can step outside and see for yourself. Reaper? Haytham's jaw tightened. His eyes flicked to the bar mirror. No one else had heard the boy, or at least no one had looked. The rest of the crowd was too occupied with the other brawler and his painted girls to pay them much mind. He glared at the boy's reflection in the mirror and growled, How do you know me? Introductions can wait. What matters is, there's a bounty on your head, and men looking to claim it. So unless you want to fight through them, you need to get out of here. A bounty. A low growl rose from Haytham's chest. He had a few decent guesses who might have placed it. His driftwood features were carved in that inscrutable half-scowl, but in his heart he was raging. If the boy wasn't lying, and that was a big if, then he could forget about the barkeep and what he knew about the bastard. There wasn't a corner at the edge that Haytham could hide in where someone wasn't sharpening their knives to come after him. He weighed his options. He couldn't leave through the door, not without running headlong into the boy's cutthroats. Five men was bad, but not impossible. He'd fought worse and lived. But if they caught him out in the open, he could take whatever anonymity he had left and flick it into the river like a farthing off the stone bridge. And that left... The cellar. The boy shook his head, inspecting some bit of grime under his fingernail. There could be more down there. Or others looking for the same thing. Where, then? He followed the boy's gaze to the staircase leading up to the second floor. Follow me. He pushed his stool back and started through the crowd. Wait. Haytham caught his sleeve. The boy turned. His eyes flashed with alarm. Prove you're not lying. He hesitated for only half an instant. His eyes never left Haytham's. Booth by the hearth, he muttered between his teeth. Long hair, deck of cards on the table. Haytham saw the man immediately. He looked like a bandit or a milk chaser, or both. And he was watching him. The moment the brawler's eyes met his, the man at the booth dropped his gaze and busied himself carving something into the table with the point of his knife. The boy jerked his head to the stairs. Come on. Haytham followed him up. He kept his eyes on the man at the booth and the bar mirror. The outlaw stood hastily as the brawler disappeared up the stairs. Judging by the noise that greeted them as he met the boy at the door at the top of the stairs, the shop's harlot was doing a brisk business on the other side. The boy grit his teeth and tried the handle. Locked. Now what? growled Haytham. Hold on. He ran his fingers through his dark hair and produced two slivers of bent iron that he slipped into the door lock. Haytham filled the stairway behind him, ready to pounce with both feet on the outlaw if he tried to follow them up. He heard a click behind him. When he looked back, the boy was grinning. Quickly! The door swung wide with hardly a sound. It was a long moment before the pair on the cot in the corner noticed the newcomers. The harlot gave a startled yelp and reached for her corset as Haytham clicked the door shut behind them. Sorry, miss, the boy said with an awkward little half-bow as he darted over to the window and dragged it open. When he looked back at Haytham, his face was pink. The brawler wrinkled his nose at the stink. Out through the window, the boy directed him, ignoring the string of curses from the naked farmhand on the cot. Go as far as you can toward the keep. You'll see a ladder down to the street. Haytham was halfway through the window before he heard the heavy thud of footsteps on the stairs. Keep going, the boy urged him, springing for the door. I'm right behind you. He threw his shoulder up against it just as the door burst open, slamming it shut on whoever was on the other side. He fumbled for his lockpicks and jammed them into the keyhole. The brawler didn't wait. He eased himself onto the rooftop, set his face toward cliffside, and plunged ahead until he found the ladder down to the street. 
He pulled his cloak tied around his shoulders and took the long way back to the Eidolon, staying away from the wide streets. He never looked back to see if the boy made it out. He hadn't come to make friends. A block down from the Dram House, he ducked into the shadow under some eaves as a chorus of voices echoed down the alley after him. Several dark shapes darted past the alley mouth, moving into position around the Dram House door. He saw mismatched leathers and bandit steel. He grit his teeth, so the boy hadn't been lying. If he saw him again, unlikely given the circumstances, he owed the lad a drink. He set his mind on the bastard and went back to sharpening his vengeance, just as he had on a thousand nights before this one. All the long way home, the name he'd taken pounded in the brawler's mind like heartbeats, like galloping hooves. White Rose. White Rose. White Rose. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, it really means the world to me. If you're catching this one on podcast, please make sure to leave a five-star review and to hit subscribe because that really allows this story to reach more people. Now, I have been meaning for years to read the Lord of the Rings books, but I just haven't brought myself to do it yet. And I've seen all the movies, but with the books, they're just enormous. And I know that they're incredible and that Tolkien really created the fantasy genre as it exists now, but I still just haven't made it around to reading those yet. Have you read them? Let me know down in the comments. Give me your answers below and I'll catch you guys next week.